about death is uncomfortable. We think if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. Sadly, this isn't true. It's the only thing in life that we can be certain about. And because we don't talk about it, often we don't know what to do when we experience the death of a loved one. My name is Fiona Garvin and this is Deadly Serious Conversations. I'll be talking to a range of people who will share their knowledge and experience so we can learn how to make dying part of living. This episode of the podcast, I chat to the lovely Karen from Heavenly Catering. Karen has over 20 years experience as a caterer for wakes and celebrations of life. Through her catering company, Heavenly Catering, she helps coordinate gatherings and wakes of any size in any location, including church halls, private homes and funeral function centres. Using her experience, she has written a beautiful book called Where There's a Will, There's a Wake. And it's a great little resource whether you are preparing for the death of someone close to you or creating your own funeral and wake plan. Karen has written this book to support anyone wanting to own their end-of-life choices so that you can go your own way, taking the pressure and stress away from your family and friends and to create funerals and wakes that truly reflect the life you are celebrating. I hope you enjoyed this chat as much as I did, giving you some food for thought. Good morning, Karen, and thank you so much for joining me today. Today we're going to have a chat about all things wakes. So the word wake originated in Ireland where traditionally friends and family stayed awake to ensure that the deceased person didn't wake up prior to the funeral. The custom of a wake has been around for a very long time and many different cultures have their own versions of a wake. In some parts of the world, like Northern Ireland where I'm originally from, a wake in a traditional sense of having the body in the home is still very much an important tradition of the funeral process. These days in Australia, a wake is used to describe any kind of gathering after someone dies. And it usually happens after the funeral at a specific venue or in someone's home. And it can be adapted to fit the culture and the religion of the person being honored. So Karen, why is a wake important? And do you have to have one? I think a wake's important because you'll have a service and it leaves people, I guess, in in whatever state they're in. So some people can be heavily in grief, others can be laughing, others can be um, still in shock, just depending on the, the age or the circumstances of the death. And I think the wake just helps people come together and have a conversation. Often it's an equally or if not important part of the funeral process because it's that more informal gathering where those stories that may not have come out earlier come out. And it's a beautiful I, I see um I've done I've catered hundreds, I mean hundreds of wakes. And the interesting thing for me is as an observer, 
often it's actually not about the person that's died at the wake. It's often, oh, my God, look at you or look at the kids or I haven't seen you for years and how's Betty and how's Annie Mary and where are you living? And, and the conversations are more about the catch-up. As an observer, it's really interesting because they can be about the person and it, the person's name may not even be mentioned at times or it could be an action. I try to incorporate it, that it's about the person and I always try to incorporate something that's about the person. But as an observer, sometimes it's very interesting to see what actually is going on. And it's lovely to think that that person who's died has brought these people together who may not have seen each other for a very long time. So even though in that moment they may not be talking or sharing memories, but it's it's good for people to connect again with each other. Absolutely. So when it comes to organising a wake, it's often hard for families to guess how many people are actually going to turn up. What do you advise to avoid running out of food or, you know, is there anything that you would suggest that they can do to not find themselves in that situation? We've never run out of food for a wake, I must say. And the truth is um, pre-COVID to post-COVID is easier. Um, I think or well, pre-COVID, it used to be that anybody could turn up to a funeral and anybody can turn up to a wake and you really didn't know who would turn up. Uh, during COVID, we're doing a lot more RSVPing. So we're doing RSVP the service and the wake independently, and that's obviously helped. And then now with the numbers currently at 10, it's really easy. And we have certainly done some wakes for 10. Um, with what I say to families when I'm talking to them, because I'll say you've got an idea of numbers, and often they in the past, think there'll be less than what there actually are. And then I say to them, okay, so let's think about your immediate family and who's coming. Let's look at the immediate social networks. If they're involved in different groups, such as the local soccer club, so maybe find someone from the soccer club who's representing who's coming or somebody from their school. Or th There's actual ways of working it out. And I've been, it, that actually works when I help kind of hold their hands through the, the conversation of the calculation, um, we actually do quite well. And more often than not, they're slightly over what it is. So we, we, we it kind of just works that way. But it's just about having a conversation and them literally sitting down and writing it. I'm also incredibly conscious that there is so much going on for them in that space. And so I always take extra stuff just in case, because I would be embarrassed if we ran out of food. And the truth is a lot of people come for an hour and then leave. So they kind of do the respect thing and then the stayers hang in there. So it's often there's a bunch that come and then they go. Now, it depends also if it's at the same venue as the funeral, if it's the same location or if it's back at home. It, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a few things that change depending on where it is. And after a challenging day at the funeral, what most people crave is comfort food and usually endless cups of tea or coffee. Or sometimes some alcohol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> something stronger. Yeah. What would you say is the most popular food served at a wake? Oh, like it's easy to like people go, oh, I'll just have sandwiches. And then I often say, did you really want Arnie Beryl remembered by a bunch of sandwiches? Like really? And I think they think, oh, that's because it's cheap. And the truth is, sandwiches can be a pain in the neck because there's a lot of work that goes into sandwiches. All the ingredients have got to be made fresh that day and assembled and. And it's hard, if you've made 50 sandwiches and you need more than 50 sandwiches, you don't have more than 50 sandwiches because that's what you've made. So 
as much as I say, sure, let's do some sandwiches, then I also encourage some warm food to go with that because we can then add to it if we need to. So, for example, we might say, okay, there's a service at one o'clock at the crematorium and they're going to be back to the house 3 o'clock, depending on the location, and they're coming to a home, for example. Now, more often than not, it takes a bit longer. And so we're always ready for the time. And sometimes they're early, but most often they're not. They're about 15, 20 minutes to an hour later. So sandwiches are good in that I've got things ready that we can just unwrap and put out um, when they arrive. And then we can start warming through hot food. So if we make things like quiches or really nice homemade sausage rolls or a bit more comfort food, they don't take long to warm because they're freshly made. And so eight to 10 minutes, we can have food on the table. Um, and they're quite happy. We make really beautiful sandwiches that are yummy. But you've also got people that can't eat sandwiches gluten-free. So what else do we have that will have we okay for them? And it depends on the time of year. Yeah. So, Yeah. In my opinion, the chicken sandwiches at Wex are always the best. <laughs> Egg is very popular as well. <laughs> well, I don't know what it is in the chicken sandwiches, whether it's a special meal that the caterers use. Love. Called love. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or love. But they're just the best. You could never replicate it at home the way that they taste at Awake. So, yeah. And I love, yeah, I mean, sandwiches at Awake taste very different to a sandwich at home. And I, I think it is the love that's put into them. And... Karen, would you say, is there a particular type of food that's not popular to serve or is there a least popular type of food? I think um, I'm not normal. So I don't go, here's a wake menu, choose. I go, here's some ideas, but let's have a chat. Like I never, ever do a catering job for anybody in any kind of job without having a conversation. So I don't want people to go, well, this represents Uncle Bob, but I want to talk about Uncle Bob. I want to know what can I do to bring Uncle Bob in? So I had a conversation with a family and they had no idea, like, what, what would he like? So I'd say, well, where's he, if he got to choose, because often men don't choose, we, women kind of choose even though men, we ask men, but we still decide, right, fair call. So where would Uncle Bob go? What's his favourite restaurant? Okay, so we go to the, the, what did he go? He went to the, I don't even know what restaurant it was now, but I remember it was at Hornsby. And I, I'm like, what would he order? Oh, he had nasi goreng. So let's have nasi goreng. So I did nasi goreng in beautiful hand bowls. That was what he, that's what he would have had. I have a gentleman who prawns was his thing. So we just did heaps of prawns and amongst other things. I had um, a lady that loved fine, beautiful champagnes. We had a chocolate flowing fountain and French champagne because that represented her. So it depends on, if you go to my website, heavenlycatering.com.au, there are some samples of I've changed the names, but they're actual samples of menus that were because we had a conversation about what they wanted. So there was a guy that loved Asian and a couple of other things, and we just, the whole menu was about him, and that felt good. Now, I just did one in COVID for a gentleman that was very well-known in the music industry, had a heart attack, very sudden, massive live streaming, but 10 at the wake. So I was talking to his wife, and what was his, like, what was his food? He loved beef stroganoff. So I made a traditional yummy beef stroganoff, but I made it there because I make it on fillet steak and it's got to be cooked fast and tasty. And I knew that they would be going home. So I also made up extra so that I could send it home with a couple of meal packs. So it was a real treat. It was really yummy. She even said it was much better than he made. <laughs> and then um, I sent her home with a meal pack and she wrote to me the next day and went, oh, my goodness, at midnight I set up and ate a whole container of beef stroganoff. 
because it was comforting for her and it was about him and it was yummy and and that felt good for me to be able to be of service to honour him. The other day I also did a Christmas in July themed wake because she died on the 25th of July. She loved Christmas. The family sent me photos of what the Christmases looked like and we literally reinvented her living room and everything and got her plates and bowls and platters and I made what she would have had. Um, and one of them was a high knees chicken, not a Christmas dish, but that's what was important to her. I made a proper bold fruit cake, a whole bunch of desserts. There was way more food than what any 10 people would eat, but that's what they wanted because she would have sent food home with them. So I did it so that I could send food home with them. They all had a care package to take home. So I want to do what supports them in honouring their loved one and, and creating that special meal. So. Yeah, beautiful. And for me, like, I have a very sweet tooth. So in this situation at my wake, it would all have to be French pastries and beautiful sweet food. <laughs> food. Uh, so yeah, be uh, that would be my favourite. I had a funny one a couple of weeks ago, again, very small in a private home. And the lady um, grandma, we did it at her place and she always was renowned for having biscuits at home, literally the full range of Arnott's biscuits. So I did like a like a two, three-tiered um, stands full of all different Arnott's biscuits and then she was renowned for silly sandwiches. She literally would put the craziest things on sandwiches. So I set up this little buffet and we made silly sandwiches and we took photos of everybody with their silly sandwiches and they were things like hundreds of thousands with lettuce and mayonnaise, like all sorts of different things. But that was just because that's what she did. And I'm like, I'm happy to create this craziness. And it was fun and it brought laughter to it, to a situation. And she wasn't, she was very, you know, she was quite old, but it left them with something quite joyful to be with. And they had a ball. They wrote me the most beautiful letter. That, you know, you don't get that out of a platter of just regular sandwiches. And the other thing is it connects people and it keeps someone's memory alive and you know every time that they might taste that food in the future it brings them back to happy memories of making silly sandwiches so or it could be a drink like we did rusty nails at one of them everybody had a rusty nail my uncle's um last week he um we all had a, a, a shot of scotch for him and it was really funny because none of us like scotch and somebody's like would he kill us if we added coke I'm like, i bought the coke <laughs> But we honoured him by having a sip of, sip of scotch for him, you know, and I will think of that now. You're right. It'll anchor me to that thought of him. Yeah, beautiful. Karen, you know, many bereaved families are thrown straight away into the whole process of organising a funeral and burial and making arrangements and dealing with funeral directors and writing death notes and dealing with all the texts and phone calls that are coming through. So the volume of jobs can be really overwhelming. When you're thinking about organising a wake, you know, what's the first thing that you should probably start thinking about? Is it the numbers or the venue? or The venue will be determined by the numbers at some level. And I, I highly recommend people go to that person's home if it's appropriate. It's a bit different with COVID, obviously. But I think because then there's an, like a lot of people have been to that home and they can celebrate them in that home. Where I live, we've got the Northern Beaches of Sydney. There's a lot more space for a lot of our clientele. They're in homes or there might be, it depends on what the location is. So it might be a local park or a community hall or a surf club or a fishing hut, something that is in memory to them that's significant. Um, and for me, I want to be able to be of service to the family. So I often say to them, 
I don't really need you to do anything. I will t- that I will do things they will never even know that I organised because they've got enough going on. I'm very aware of that. And having been through it, you know, I don't want to have to think about, I've got a high furniture. Do I have water? Do I have a jug? Do I have electricity? Do I have gas to heat things? Like I, I just want to be able to take all that pain away and just handle it for them and let them be because often they're in a fog, they haven't eaten. And by the time they get to the wake is when I say, let's feed you something oh no I haven't eaten I said I know let's feed let's feed you and take care of you so what do they think about maybe outsourcing or having a friend that can help them just take away all that organization I want to be I'm very willing to be that person just to take care of them and also support them in that space and what's the best way to let people know about the wake or invite them to the wake? Should the celebrant announce it or do you put it in the newspaper? Or is it assumed that most times, this is obviously pre-COVID or post-COVID, but is it assumed that there will be a wake at most funerals? I'd say that 95% of funerals these days have a wake. Sometimes they might have a private service after the before the public service or after bit like a wedding, they might go off and do their own thing a bit and then come back. Um, often on the order of service, it's where it's announced. But then there, there is times where it's very private and it's just by invitation only. And I must say, some people can't afford to do it. Like you've got some, you know, when you've got some young people's funerals, they can be extraordinarily large and the families are in shock and financial shock. So I'm very conscious of checking with the family that what do they really want to do because it can be expensive. If you've got to people to awake and they've all been fed alcohol it is expensive exercise so I'm very mindful of supporting people around that space and then sometimes I say well you don't need to have alcohol like you can just do it for an hour and have something really simple and light yeah and that's a great point about alcohol with some religious ceremonies obviously alcohol is is not permitted at all but if it's a non-religious gathering do guests expect alcohol to be served do you think I guess they do like they do a wedding, but it's not necessary that they always have it. Or you can limit it. You can really limit it. You know, just say that's all it's got or that's all that's available. It, it depends on the family. I am very conscious of supporting what they need. You know, they don't necessarily need a whole bunch of drunken people. It's about getting together. It's not you know, joining their sorrow, really. I've certainly seen that, though. Yeah, and sometimes it's just nice as a gesture to have a toast early on in the in the wake, and then that's it. Obviously, they can have an open bar if they want to, but I think you're right. It's not always an expectation. I certainly wouldn't go to a wake expecting that there would be alcohol served. I've also been I've been to wakes where um, they've put on the food, and then it's a, depending on the venue. Then you buy your own drinks. Um, I know people drink a lot less when that's the case. I must say. I think one of the things I'd really like people to um, to be mindful of is um, people that are who's like the direct family of the the funeral that the wife, the husband, the mother, the father, the child is they can still be in this fog, what I call the fog, and then they're they're in this wake, and they often have already started their grieving depending on how the person's died and how long it's gone on for. So let's just say by the time the funeral happens, the person's passed away 10 days before. Let's just call that a number. So they're 10 days moving into their grief period and they've done their up and down and there's still stuff going on for them. Some of the people that attend the funeral service, it'll be a shock for them because they're kind of just going, wow, they get it. It's all been quite new to them. 
and they haven't been on this journey of somebody taking you know a long time to pass away or it's all sudden so they're in their own grief and when it comes to the wake or at the end of the funeral you and I would have both seen it that the people get smothered with I'm really sorry and this conversation and they're in their own world and I think we need to be really mindful of not drowning people in that space um I always have with my clients because I get to spend some time with them and get to know them and because I've been there I say to them there's a little hand if I come up to them to say have you eaten or can I get you a drink I always take care of that immediate family I'll, I'll I've taught them a little thing where they double squeeze my hand so it's like um and that means get me out of here I need a break you know or they have somebody that I say to them be that person for them to get me out of here because sometimes it is very overwhelmed and they're exhausted mentally and physically and they're trying to put on a brave space but they're just not and I think we as people attending those services also need to be mindful of that mm. does that make sense yeah and as a celebrant I am aware of that as well like I think it's really difficult for people to transition from a funeral to then awake almost instantly and often depending on the family and their circumstances I will let everyone know towards the end of the funeral ceremony I say the family are just going to take a few moments focusing on on whoever's passed away and if you'd just like to give them some space they'll join you at the wake as soon as they possibly can so they don't have to transition straight away we've given them permission to say okay I'm just going to take a breather here I think that is that is really important yeah really yeah important. and Karen you mentioned it earlier I think about sometimes wakes the invitation to come to a wake is by invite only is that a good way to manage any sort of family sensitivities or any sort of you just want to keep it private and is that okay to do I, I think there's no rules and everything's okay whatever's best for the family and whatever suits them I think it's much easier with COVID I really do I think um, before it was I mean, I remember being asked once to make sure that somebody did not go to the funeral. And it's not my role to do that. But now it's easier to have an RSVP and have the limited numbers. I don't interesting moving forward because, you know, people, I remember my grandfather's funeral. I still don't know who the, one of the men were that turned up. Never could work it out who happened to be there. <laughs> I've got no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's that case of there are no rules. So you do what feels right and you don't need anyone's permission to do what you need to do in a very difficult situation. So if a family are hiring a company like Heavenly Catering, do you take care of everything necessary that a family might need, like all the equipment and tablecloths and all those sorts of things? Well, I do because I'm an event caterer. So we have everything audio we can organize music we can organize flowers decor candles um, I've got a catering trailer so I can work in a park with no electricity and still serve hot food which I've done um, so we're a full service we've got marquees so that we can just do whatever heaters whatever we need to do to make it easy for them um, tea and coffee stations we have a beautiful tea selection so I just want to give them what works for them some people want to do a full-on beautiful celebration memorial and other people are very low-key and so whatever they need, whatever will work for them. And some people don't know, so I will work them through it, walk them through it, in fact. 
And so with COVID, we've really had to change the way that we hold wakes. How have people, how have they found alternative ways for that informal sharing of memories and stories? And have have people been creative? Oh, wow. I, I, this has been, it sounds awful. And COVID at some level has been such a gift. So we've had extraordinary um, live streaming where we've pre-recorded um, videos and, and had them played. We've had um, people from all over the world being able to watch. So we've also picked the time to do it. And then they've had photo montages embedded into videos so that they can be played, especially if we're at the burial. And because of COVID restrictions, we've had wakes with the funeral in the same location so that they can still continue because you can't go anywhere and have a wake. So we've encouraged people to even include then do Zoom contact. So we've had one where we had the wall at the venue for the live streaming that everybody could see. And then we had it as a Zoom, um, as a Zoom catch up. So they had like a, a, a the original Zoom time was the family and then friends came in and we were pouring champagne and they were cheersing and people from all over the world. And that was wonderful. And to listen to them, like as the caterer, that it felt so good to have set this up and then to listen to them laughing and giggling with these people and in, and just honouring this woman uh, was just wonderful, just perfect. And they were from literally all over the world. So, yeah, that was really cool. And it has, we do have the ability now to bring people who ordinarily wouldn't have been able to be part of it to be a big part of it. So it is one of those blessings that has come out of it. And Karen, the cost of a funeral for some families, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, you know, for some families, they may not have the budget for a fully catered wake. Is there any way that a family can reduce the costs or is there anything that they can do to to make that part a little bit easier? People often want to offer, like to help. And I never say no, because to me, this is about them. So for example, um, you know, if somebody wants to make something that's a sweet and wants to bring it along, I'm just, yeah, absolutely. Whatever I can do to be of service, you know, I I can happy just to say, pay for my time and I'll coordinate whatever you need and 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 help with it. Obviously, we've got to do food safety and make sure that we're not going to poison somebody. But somebody making a slice is not going to be off. It's probably fine. Um, some people want to help and I'm all for accepting that help on the behalf of that family. Um, and... You don't want to make it. Some people in the churches, the church women are just amazing where they'll just be of service at the church and set up the tea and coffee and we might just do the catering. I will work in with anybody that wants to help because I think that they're also part of them is them grieving or supporting the family. So people don't always have the money to do that. No, it could be that they're just going to have a cup of tea and a scone or a slice, something really simple. It's whatever they need to do for them. And it might be that they have a memorial down the track when they're more conscious and it's a year later and they maybe want to do something with the ashes or at the burial site because it's a religion, religious ceremony. There are no rules. Do whatever works for them. And don't, I don't want people to be out of pocket and paying fortune for a funeral that they can't afford. And the other thing is for someone as a guest going to a wake, if you are invited to bring a slice or another thing that I'm always conscious of, it's one thing bringing food, but it's also another thing to for someone to stay behind to help with the washing up, particularly if it's at home, because that's a really confronting part as well. All these people have left and suddenly you're left. It's like 
a big party and you're wondering who's going to clean up this mess and all you want to do is crawl into bed be mindful that it's not just about bringing the food that's why we're really good because we leave the place often cleaner than we found it it's interesting um when you've had a family that have been caring for somebody like with cancer or in palliative care they um when they've got a funeral coming to their home I'm very conscious that they've probably been months away from not really being in their home and I'll often turn up people will leave a key out for example and I'll turn up earlier knowing that there's probably dishes in the sink and there's a bathroom that hasn't been cleaned for a while and they don't know that we might do that but we'll I, I always carry a bit of toilet paper because when you've got you know 50 to 100 people turning up at your home you may not have enough toilet paper because you just it's not something they've thought about they've literally been caring for somebody and just survival mode so if there's anything that we can do just to make it a bit easier um we just do that you know it's about being of service and taking care of that family so yeah if a family are are deciding not to have it at home and they want to have it at a venue is it something I often think that the venue should have different types of spaces. You might have some people who want to go to an area for quiet reflection or for that moment where they can escape for a little bit of time. Or you, then you have rooms where you might have a space where people can mingle and chat. Is there anything that you should be conscious of when you're trying to decide on a venue? There's so many elements, but when it when you when I suggest a venue, you know when the family go, oh, that's perfect. It's I, I think there's a feeling that comes with that that's significant. So, for example, my uncle, um, you know, the family were like, oh, I guess we're going to Northern Suburbs Crematorium, and my first reaction is, no, we're not. We're going to the fishing hut because he was the president and that was his place. And so we arranged it with council that we could go to the fishing hut, and and it was on the water and it was perfect for him the crematorium wouldn't not have been of any significance to him and we could have a wake there then and it was already significant it is whatever works for that person that's passed away so again there's no rules it's what is it that's going to support um them in the area that they are and the other thing is perhaps it might be worth considering how long you need that venue for so the crematoriums often have a very strict time limit uh, how how long they will allow you to gather for um, because they have another funeral coming in but somewhere a private venue a yacht club a golf club wherever you might be able to negotiate longer than that and you know is there would you suggest that there is a specific time is there a certain time that's too long or would you say a couple of hours or on average three hours is heaps like they kind of from where to go that kind of works I mean at home it's a bit different because it'll just play out and we'll often say to the the, like you can read the clients and go they need to be left alone now like we'll encourage we'll just discreetly pack up and say oh the bar's closing you know we can we can help get rid of people as such like being mindful of the family because some people will just hang on and not read the room um we through i think i would say now though is think of it like a wedding like would you go to two venues like get married at one and then go and have a service somewhere else it's the same with a funeral and why do we need to go to the creme? Is the creme the place to go and have it? Or can we go somewhere that's actually significant and have the service and have the wake um, directly? I've had families that have gone, oh, we'd like to separate it because we don't really want everyone coming to the to the wake. So I'm very aware of that. Um, it, it is, again, what works for them. I, people, I, I wish people weren't just automatically sold to go to the creme. Does that make sense? Really give yourself the space to think about it. And 
all of us can just can work on that in advance. We can go and say, well, this is where I'd like to be. This is what's important to me, you know, and, and maybe we review that every couple of years because our lives change and we move and people pass away in our own lives. So what becomes significant? You know, you were involved in the soccer club and now you're in the knitting club or something, you know, what's significant at the time that's going to reflect what you would like to create. I think a lot of people aren't aware that you can actually have a funeral in the soccer club. Well, there may be limitations to it, but you can certainly investigate whether it's possible. Like you don't have to have it at the crematorium. But, you know, sometimes the crematorium is the easiest option for people. And that's okay too, if that's what they want to do and they're happy with that. But it is being aware that there are other options and that they can have a funeral at a different venue and therefore the wake at the different venue. And so I suppose that makes you think as well, Karen, about how important it is to make your wishes known before you die, that what you want, if a particular club is important to you, express that you would love for your wake and funeral to be held there as well. Well, in, in my book, I talk about create your frog file for when you croak. And that's part of it is like saying I want to be cremated or I want to be buried or I want a natural, like what do you want? And I promise it takes a lot of pain and angst away from the family that are trying to organise it. So I was doing a wake with a family and the one of the daughters I was dealing with understood her mother wanted to be cremated and the other sister was like, oh, no, she wanted to be buried. And at the wake it was really awkward because she got cremated and there was this big grrr and I you could tell that this was not going to go well moving forward. It was really awkward. And if the mother or they just really sat down in advance and had a conversation, it wouldn't even be an issue. So if we all start to think about what do we want or having a conversation with, with our parents, it becomes quite useful and makes it, I don't know, a nicer way to be able to then celebrate their life because this is all about celebration of life. Yeah, yeah. And it takes away those questions and it gives you some comfort in knowing that you're doing what they wanted you to do. Uh, Karen, just thinking about guests at a, a wake, is there a few things that you can do to be a good funeral wake guest? Is it the case of showing up if you can? Or is there any sort of guidelines about about any of that? Oh, gosh, I could say some things that I watch people do and go really like that's not really kind or thoughtful. Um, one of the things that I'm going to say is stop automatically sending flowers because having been through that and watching it now and going into people's homes when I'm doing wakes, um, as much as that's our go-to send a bunch of flowers, if you've ever been in someone's home that's lost somebody, so, for example, um, a gentleman who passed away who was an accountant and a friend of mine's dad recently and that afternoon at four o'clock so he died I got a call about 10 in the morning and I went to see the family at four and there was full of flowers like there would have been 20 bouquets of flowers that had been delivered that day and while I was there his wife went to the door because the door knocked and a delivery guy came with two more bunches of flowers she took the cards out and walked straight out to the bin because she was absolutely overwhelmed. And having been through that, when I walked back in after my dad's funeral and I'd had a, a stupid number of funerals in a very short number of weeks, um, the stench of those flowers after the funeral has turned me off 
getting flowers for a long time and the maintenance of them, having to change the water as they go off, but then the rubbish they created, extraordinary. And um, it happened to a friend of mine's mum recently where the one thing she was grateful for was being given a beautiful orchid in a pot plant because that was practical. Um, so I'd, I'd love us to be able to, I've written a thing in my book called Scent with Care, S-C-E-N-T, just to get us, I'm not saying anti-florist or anything, I'm just saying be mindful and maybe send the flowers in a month and just go, I'm thinking of you, or give them a food voucher rather than masses of food because that brings another angst where you've got freezers that are full and whose dishes is this and I really don't care for another lasagna. So if we could all be mindful of how to really help, um, the best thing is practical things like watering the garden or mowing the lawn or just little things that can make a difference. Um, they're really thoughtful or food like grocery pack or practical things. Um, I just talked to a lady yesterday and literally she was given toilet paper and went, oh, that is only you would buy me toilet paper because it was practical and she was having so many visitors and the toilet paper was one of the things she remembered as and grateful for from her best mate who literally bought toilet paper and coffee. Yeah. Yeah, it's those little practical things. And as we mentioned earlier about staying behind to clean up the dishes or coming in to do the dishes on a daily basis. It just The things that have to, what I get to see is somebody will pass away and there's things that still have to happen in their lives. Like if the animals need feeding or the, more, you know, the lawn or the bins taken out. And they're the things that are very practical and kind and thoughtful in that space. Do you know what I mean? That can help. An offering in time to say, what can I do to support you right now? And it's sometimes just sit with me. It could be just give me some time just to sit. And rather than saying, let me know what I can do to help, because they're never going to be able to articulate what they need, but saying, can I walk the dog for you in the mornings or whatever, just offering yeah. something. And it could be, I'm coming over to mow the lawn, not can I. I'm coming over, I'll see you on Tuesday. Yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. And, and, and at some level, having been in that space, it, it's it's just this, oh, it's really quite a beautiful, I'm going to get teary. There's so many things that you can do that that we can do to support each other that mean more than we'll ever know. And it's also given that person the out. They don't have to have the conversation. Like if you're dropping off food, you can text them and say, I'm going to drop off some food on the doorstep um, this morning. If you want to put an esky out, I'll just drop it in that. Or you can just say, I'll text you when I've dropped it. And then just you don't even have to ring the doorbell because they may not be up to talking. But yeah, just that gesture can be good. So, Karen, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but what is a living wake? We could all do a living wake now because we're all going to die at some point. Um, I A living wake whatever it means to you. It could be, look, I'm terminal and I want to give you something or I want to enjoy my time with you. It's whatever that means to that person. So my man's um, mate, he had a living wake and had this joyful celebration and wrote some stories and handed out some stories to everybody. And then he died 10 years later. So it doesn't necessarily mean that he lived a lot longer. And then, then they did have a wake after the service and he had literally towers of lint balls because he loved chocolate and everybody went home with pockets full of lint balls. So he celebrated his life and then they re-celebrated his life knowing the stories. So I think a living wake is um, can be absolutely beautiful. And how many of us have been to a funeral 
and heard stories and heard eulogies and gone, I never knew that. I wish I'd known that. I could have had that conversation. So there's an opportunity to then re-engage at a totally level, different level. Um, yeah, it's and it's hard. Like it could be that you're decorating a coffin. It could be something where you're doing something practical that you get to see. So it's a, I think it's very courageous to have a living wake. And also we often hear beautiful tributes to people and I think sometimes we live with regret that we didn't tell the person when they were alive. Um, and it's a beautiful opportunity to say all those wonderful things so that the person can hear it before they die. But it certainly isn't everyone's cup of tea, but it's something that is possible. A family doesn't have to wait until someone has died to say. Having, having done um, quite a lot of catering, I've had some experiences where we might be doing a 60th birthday, which is celebrating the 60th. And some of that is incorporated kind of organically, if that makes sense, because there might be something going on. So I've seen that happen, um, which has been quite beautiful and can be quite emotional. So it's not necessarily they're coming to us to a living wake, they're coming to a 60th birthday, which at some level has an element of a living wake. Makes sense. And it's less confronting to the guests coming. Does that make sense? That's kind of like this hidden meaning and they're spectacular. Very meaningful, especially if you're aware that someone has some is facing some challenge of some description yeah. and it takes on a different meaning. And I think that's easier for people to come to than saying, I'm having a living wake, come to my wake, because it's quite can, can be quite confronting for the guests. So it's kind of, that's been quite a beautiful experience yeah and so Karen what would you say is the key to a successful wake laughter a true celebration of life um and people connecting and sharing stories um my stepdaughter came to a memorial and she was nervous to come and work then she'll say today that it was the best she was so surprised about it so we had this beautiful memorial where they were the, the person was spoken about with absolute love. Anybody was given the opportunity to tell a story and there was so much love. But the actual wake was actually, or memorial, was actually about that person, not all about people connecting, which is I think we get lost in that. Often we'll do the service and then the next part is the catching up part, whereas this was truly still memorialising the person, rerunning the photos, having a book, having some of their things um and their music yeah, and it was really about that person so that people then connected they didn't necessarily all know each other but they came together through the stories and their experiences of that person and that was sensational um other things can be at the wake gifting um items so gosh i've got so many stories you know a lady had a handbag collection so it was literally you know take one of her handbags and it's like a bit like a David Jones sale, really. <laughs> I want this one. Um, and then I had a lady recently who'd passed away and her daughter was 30 and her mother had just had a lot of necklaces. They weren't necessarily quality jewellery. They were just beautiful art, almost art pieces. And she'd wrapped and given at the wake to the mum, to her mum's friends, you know, something to remember her mum at the wake. And we've, I don't know, but we, you know, when you've got all this stuff you need to deal with. So my mum will have crystal, for example. And I said to my mum, I'm giving away your crystal. <laughs> we have a laugh about it. But people have thimbles or spoons or all sorts of different things that you can then at the wake incorporate that into, please, um, 
let me give, you know, this was dad's, etc. I I had one where the gentleman had a thousand t-shirts, like literally a collection of t-shirts. So we had them all. I got a coat rack and coat hangers and hung up t-shirts and people put them on at the service and then could take home a t-shirt. And we also, there were so many, we had them hanging on the roof and the rafters. And so it, it brought into the wake a bit of him and, you know, what's this t-shirt? And so, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's so many things you can do. Um, to memorialise them and, and to do that in a living way as well, you know. Yeah. I had a, a lovely funeral for a lovely lady who was a meditation teacher and um, she had thousands of books. So her family brought along the books and at the wake, I let everyone know that they could take home a book. And family really got great comfort in knowing that there were a few more mindful beings in the world as a result of her legacy, you Perfect. know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's so much you can do also. So we did one, I did one recently where um, we got fabric squares and the mum was a quilter, so the lady that passed away. So we got the fabric squares and instead of writing in a memorial book, people wrote messages on the fabric squares and then the daughter took the fabric squares and had it made into a quilt. Yeah, beautiful. And she bought beautiful fabric to cover the the casket trolley because we had a natural casket, like a wicker casket. And that fabric was then part of the the um, the quilt that was made as well. So it all just brought everything together for her and gave her comfort in these, you know, the words that were written on these quilt pieces. So there's so many, we just our imagination, right? There's so many ideas that we could come up with. And that's the thing as well. For some families, they just don't have the capacity to think about these things. But when you're surrounded by a team of people who are all working with the same goal of making sure that your person has been honoured in a really authentic way, they will bring the ideas to you. They will give you the suggestions. And of course, you don't have to go with them. But yeah, it's just food for thought. Well, the lady that liked Christmas in July and she died on the 25th of July, we bought in her Christmas tree Mm. and everybody put, a Christmas ornament on the tree in, in honour of her and wrote messages on that. So when the family then, the daughter, has this tree, it has all these Christmas decorations honouring her mum from all the people. And it was beautiful. So beautiful. There's so much more to awake than we think, that it's not just tea and sandwiches, that there's so much more to it. And the other thing is uh, being a guest, you know, if you can go for a short time, great. Obviously, the family acknowledge that not everybody is able to go and, and that's OK. But if you you don't have to stay for the whole time, you can just go for a short time, a quick cup of tea and share a few memories and be a part of it. So I think it would be nice if people noted, like were conscious about the anniversary of the person's death. Yes. And acknowledged it then and then maybe send something and just say, I'm thinking of you. Um, I think that would be very kind. Um, especially when there's some absolute tragedy, I think we can we could do some things. We get on with our lives, like literally the wakes on, we get in our lives. So, um, you know, one of my one of our dear friends, when John's mum, my man's mum died, she sent flowers and a candle two weeks after the service, and that meant a lot at that time. How are you really doing two weeks after? And I thought that was incredibly thoughtful and very kind, very very yeah. kind. 
Well, in Ireland, where I'm originally from, we have a tradition called the month's mind. So a month after someone dies, exactly a month from the date that they died, they have usually a religious ceremony again, a mass, and then everyone gets together again for a cup of tea afterwards. So people who couldn't go to the funeral, they can make a plan to be there for the month's mind. And at the time, you know, only stepping back from it now, I realise how important that tradition is and hope it, it remains for a long time because it's lovely for the community to come together again and acknowledge that we still remember your person and we still acknowledge that you're grieving. I think during COVID, um, that would be fabulous because what I'm finding like is people don't even know someone's passed away because we're not in a community connecting as well as we normally do. So there's going to be people that have passed away that we won't even realise, that we've missed that they passed away. And some people um, are being incredibly private at the moment and not putting it out there to say, I lost my mum or... And because we're so restricted, certainly here in Victoria at the moment, we can only have 10 at the funeral. And for a lot of families, having to make that decision within their own family circle is very difficult. So rather than complicating it, they're choosing to have a private funeral ceremony now with the intention that when restrictions are eased, that we can do something, you know, again. And then that's the other thing to remember that. You don't have to just have one go at honouring someone. You can continue to honour them in different ways. I think before we started recording, you mentioned about your uncle who recently passed away and how your family is continuing to honour his legacy as well. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Karen, thank you so much for having a chat today about, about all things regarding wakes. Your book, Where There's a Will, There's a Wake, is a beautiful resource for anyone who wants to have a little bit of input in what they would like or start the, the process about thinking about what that might look for them or for a family member. And so it's been a passion project for you for a long time. How did it come about? I had eight funerals in five months in my own family and close friends. And prior to that, my best friend had died at 30. So she died uh, a year before my dad. And the people on the front of the book are my great aunt, my dad, my best friend and my uncle. And on the back is my dog. Um, and I sat in a chapel at the crematorium for three Fridays in a row at 10am. And it wasn't until I looked back and went, I felt like everything was the same. And it made me a bit grr about it. And a few years later, I started writing a book because I really got to look at what was going on. And so I wrote the book originally 14 years ago and then thought, well, who am I to put that out there? And my mum rang me and said, I've got grave concerns. She was not <laughs> impressed about what I'd done. But back then we were taught how to do funerals, I guess. And then um, about eight years ago, I revisited it and was going to publish it. And again, didn't really feel confident. And then in COVID, pulled it out and gave it to an editor and said, I wrote this book, not really sure. And we published it for a Seniors Week event with the local council and eight days later a publisher came to me and went there's nothing in the market can we publish it so it's kind of gone a bit bang but my pure intention is to educate people and give them a tool so one of my girlfriends said today it's like funerals for dummies like it's kind of like that it's easy to read it's a bit of fun um and I'm, I just want to help people because I didn't know we didn't know I was in a fog the whole time so if I can just help people and educate people because um I've said before, you know, we get a little bit of sex education at school, but we don't ever get death education until you're landing in it. So 
that's where I'm coming from is helping people. And I'm very user-friendly and happy to take phone calls and to help people along their own journeys. And um, that's where it really came from. And it's, it's a great little resource. And it really makes you think about how you can personalise a funeral. That yeah, It doesn't have to be the same format, just time and time again, that it can be really personal. So well done. So thank you so much for joining me this morning. Have you been enjoying a cuppa while we've chatted today? I have. I have. So because I'm a caterer, we have very fussy about tea. We do a beautiful tea selection at all our services. And there's a woman in Melbourne, her name is Lisa, and she has a company called Tea Tonic, and she's passionate about tea. So we use all her teas. And this one is called Magic Blue Tea or Blue Magic Tea. And it's got a beautiful concoction. It's all organic of natural products. But what I love about it is, so this one is butterfly peas, chamomile, rose petals, vanilla and rose, but oh. it's blue. So I don't know if you oh. can see the blue. Yes. But yeah. watch what happens. Watch what happens if I add lemon to it. So fresh lemon. Oh, a little bit of magic. It does. Can you see? It turns purple. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Acid and it makes it turn purple. So it's turning purple. You go. So it's you can't really see it in my cup so much. And I've drunk quite a lot of it. But it's um beautiful tea. So Lisa Tea Tonic in Melbourne, shout out to her because she is very passionate and has a huge selection of teas. And we get beautiful we she makes us look great at a weight. We have this beautiful tea selection. And I love a lot of her teas, you can drink hot or cold. So I'll yeah. often make like this one up in a jug in a dispenser with ice and um mm. And then turn it from blue to purple. <laughs> oh, gorgeous. And, you know, I love the name tea tonic, especially associated with wakes. Like it's just like a little tonic to help a very difficult and challenging day. So that's beautiful. Lovely. We often send little tea bags home with people. I put them in their hand and go home and have a nice cup of tea. And it's really quite beautiful, really calming. So thank you so much, Karen, for taking the time to chat today. It has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. And I will put the links to your book, Where There Is a Will, There's a Wake, in the show notes. So thank you very much. Thank you. What you're doing. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm.